Good evening. Glad to have you back with us tonight. As I said this morning, as of this morning, my lesson was unfinished. I finished it, at least this part of it, and uh, then I'll finish it completely next week. This is a part one to a, a two-part lesson. We're going to be looking at hearts of the Bible. This is an idea that I've had on my list for some time, and I decided to use it. And uh, it's interesting to think of the different hearts, different characteristics of the hearts that we find in Scripture. And that's exactly what we're going to be studying tonight, some different characteristics of the heart that we need to have as Christians. There are different hearts that can be found in Scripture. Some are the good hearts that God wants us to have. And then some are the hearts that have little desire to serve God in the way that He wants. This lesson is an examination of the hearts to be found and example, examples of those that, that had them. And our lesson objectives for tonight are going to be to study the hearts that are found in the Bible and to identify which heart best resembles our own, determining whether or not this is the right heart to have. Do you have the right heart, the heart that God wants you to have? That's a question that we certainly all would do well to ponder. This is a one-point lesson as, as far as tonight is concerned. Hearts that are pleasing to God. You'll notice the outline's a little different layout too. But uh, hopefully it'll work for this lesson. Hearts that are pleasing to God. We begin with the honest and sincere heart. The honest and sincere heart is a heart that is pleasing to God. I want you to notice Joshua's speech of warning. In Joshua chapter 24 verses 14 and 15. He gives a speech and, and he asks the people of Israel to make a choice. And based upon their heart, they would make a choice in the right direction. In Joshua 24, beginning with verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua had already made a decision for his house that he would serve the Lord and he was asking Israel to do the same. But notice what he says in verse 14. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Can you have one without the other? Now, whenever we look at sincerity, we can see people that serve God in sincerity. There's a definite lack of truth in their service. 
They do things that are contrary to the scripture. And that's not the service that God wants. He wants us to serve in sincerity, yes, but make sure that we're serving in truth as well. When we worship Him, we worship Him in spirit and in truth. Truth is very important. But He wants us to have a sincere heart. To sincerely serve Him. To, to mean what we're doing. To have a, a desire to serve Him. You make whatever choice you want to make. Is what Joshua is saying. But as for me and my house, the choice has already been made. We will serve God. We will serve Him in sincerity and in truth. From the epistles of, of Paul, we read uh, a couple of different passages that regard honesty and sincerity. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 12. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity in godly sincerity not with fleshly wisdom but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you Colossians 3 in verse 22 bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye service as men pleasers but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. We need to make an honest decision to serve God, to serve Him in sincerity of heart. That's a heart that God is pleased with. Another heart that we notice in Scripture that God is pleased with is the prayerful heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we read of a prayer by a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah was a very special person. Although she was barren, and that was something that, that bothered her, and, and not only did it bother her, but, but when it came to her family situation. We see Penina often teased her. She was the other wife of Hannah's husband. And she teased her often about not having a child. And, and it made her very sad. And Hannah prayed a prayer. A prayer of, of want. Something that she desired from the Lord and knew that He could provide if He chose. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning with verse 9, we read this. 1 Samuel 1 and verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. And prayed to the Lord and wept. In anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, 
but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. We read the, the rest of this, and Eli thought that she must have been drunk because her lips were moving, moving but no sound was coming out. And, and she wasn't. She was just praying a, a very, very sad prayer. A prayer of desire for a child. God granted her her wish. And Samuel was born. And she did, as, as she said here, she dedicated his life to the Lord. It was a very special prayer. She had something that she desired and she prayed that God would provide. And He did. Another prayer that we notice is the prayer of Jesus. Jesus prayed a prayer of anguish over His imminent death. Matthew 26 beginning with verse 36. Matthew 26 and verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not, not my will, not as I will, but as you will. We read more about his anguish in Luke 22 in verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I've heard that science has proven that that a prayer prayed in, in deep agony or, or, or anguish such as that of our Savior can produce sweat with bits of blood within it. It's how deeply he was praying. It's how earnestly he was praying. He did not want to go to the cross if there was any other way. I believe deep down Jesus knew that there was no other way. And he prayed for the Father's will, whatever that may be. Jesus was in great sorrow when he prayed that prayer. When we are in great sorrow, we know that we can go to God as well. There are also prayers of thanksgiving. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds 
through Christ Jesus. Let's be thankful always. Thankful for everything that we enjoy in this life. Thankful for every blessing that we have. We need to be thankful for what Jesus did on our behalf. We need to pray in thanksgiving. I wonder, in comparison, if we were to compare all of our prayers, how often we spend time in prayer because of want or desire, and how often we go to God in simple thanks for what we have. I have an idea of which one would outweigh the other. But we need to pray prayers of thanksgiving always. Always recognizing what God has done for us in this life. Remembering that He gave the greatest of sacrifices for us. We can be very thankful for what we have. Another heart that we notice is the heart of a servant. We as Christians should desire the heart of a servant. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 and beginning with verse 18. 2 Samuel 7 beginning with verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said... Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are a great, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name, and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods? For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, over Israel. And let the house of your servant David, be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. 
How many times did David refer to himself as a servant? Within these verses, between verses 18 and 27 of 2 Samuel 7, David referred to himself as a servant, if I count it correctly, seven times. David realized where he stood in comparison with God. That God had greatly blessed him with all the things that he had promised for some time before. And that in comparison to God, he's nothing more than a humble servant. David was a king. He, he was a ruler over a great many people. And probably the greatest nation to be found in history. At least at that time. And yet, he referred to himself as a servant. Though he was a king, he was a servant of Almighty God. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, David was referred to as a man after God's own heart. We need to bear the heart of a servant, realizing always the need for serving God to the best of our abilities. Almost to the end. The heart of love and compassion. Is it any wonder that the greatest command is the command of love? Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is your great, is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We are to love. We are to love God. We are to love our neighbor. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, which makes it the greatest command. We notice this love and compassion in the life of Jesus. We see it in His example. We see it in how He cared so much for those who were lowly and downtrodden, those that nobody else cared about. Those were the ones that Jesus cared about. He lived a life of love and compassion. And not only did he live a life of love and compassion, but he also died the death of love and compassion. He died on the cross for the sins of all the world. He showed the greatness of a heart of love and compassion. We see it in Peter's encouragement in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit 
a blessing. If we're going to be blessed by God, we need to be kind and compassionate and loving to those around us. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. That's the heart that we need to bear as Christians. That's another of the hearts that God is pleased with. We need to have the heart of endurance. You know, we think of those that compete in different levels of activity and sports and things of that nature, and we often talk about the heart that they have. The heart that they have that is geared toward that sport and, and toward the, the preparing of their bodies to, to compete in whatever way they do. But they have to have a heart. They have to have a heart of endurance. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 through 8 we read the last words of Paul. At least what we believe to be his final words. Or at least close to them. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all of love is appearing. Coming to the end of his life. He could look back and see that he had had the heart of endurance. He had fought the good fight. He had kept the faith. He had finished the race. The race that was referred to in Hebrews. I believe it would be the same race that we all are competing in. We're running to the finish. We're running toward our great reward, the reward that Paul says that is available to all who have loved his appearing. We're running the race right now. We're fighting the fight. I hope that we are keeping the faith. That at the end of this line, that we can say the same as Paul, that we have finished the race. But to finish the race, we must have the heart 
of endurance. Must endure a great many trials. There are many things that we will face that will bring us pain or sadness, hurt. But if we run with endurance, the race that is set before us, then we are pleasing God. There are other hearts that I'd like to make brief mention of before we close our lesson. Other hearts that please God. We should have a heart of worship. We are warned not to turn away to idols, but to only worship God. It goes back to even the Ten Commandments. We find it in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 16 also. In chapter 30 and verse 17. And those words that were given to Israel even back in the Old Testament are just as true for us today. God wants us to serve Him and Him alone. Do not turn away from Him. But worship Him. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. A heart of worship is a heart that God is pleased with. God is also pleased with a pure heart. A pure heart. Matthew 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. And a heart that is full of peace and joy. John 14.1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He could see it in his disciples. They were troubled. And he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He told them this so that they would be comforted. Wanted them to be at peace. John 16 and verse 22. Therefore you now have sorrow. But I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice. And your joy no one will take from you. Hearts that are troubled. God wants us to be at peace. We may not know what is ahead. The disciples didn't know what was ahead for Jesus. What they knew brought them sorrow. And I don't know that they ever completely understood until after His resurrection. Maybe not even then. But, but when we are troubled... We should remember that we have every reason to rejoice. We have salvation that is offered to us. And if we remain faithful, we have a reward that awaits us. We have reason to be at peace. We have reason to rejoice. Rejoice always. And again I say rejoice. We can rejoice in knowing that our Savior died for us. Because of His death on the cross. Because of His resurrection. Because of His victory. 
we also will rise again. Even after our own death, we will rise again. We will be in heaven with God who loves and cares for us so much so that He sent His Son to die for us. We have every reason to be at peace. What kind of heart do you have? Tonight we have talked about having a prayerful heart, an honest and sincere heart, the heart of a servant, a heart of love and compassion, a heart of endurance, a heart of worship, a pure heart, and a heart that is full of peace and joy. Are those characteristics of your own heart? Can you be at peace tonight knowing that your life is in the hands of God? That He is caring for you each day. That He is providing for you. That He is blessing you. Are you a Christian? Have you been washed by the blood of the Lamb who sacrificed Himself for you? Have you obeyed the gospel and repentance, confession, and baptism for the remission of sins? In regard to the heart of endurance, we must remain faithful in this life until the very end. Are you a faithful child of God? We're going to sing a song. I told Hugh he's got to lead this next week too. Is thy heart right with God? Is your heart right with God? Have you done everything that you need to do to be called a faithful child of God? If you were to face judgment tonight, we very well could. Will you be found faithful? If your heart is not right with God for whatever reason, if you need to come in obedience or repentance, for asking forgiveness or for simple prayer, let us help you. Together we stand and as we sing.